Faces. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. My name is Scott Allen, and I am the host of Phronesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. I am an associate professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, a speaker, a nonprofit founder, and the host of two podcasts. I'm also a husband and dad of three. You just heard from Kate, my daughter, who wrote and performed the Phronesis intro. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover timely, relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Now, I am proud to share that Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ilaglobalnetwork.org. If you like what we're up to, please click subscribe so you can stay up to date as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others. And now, today's show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, everybody. This is Scott Allen, and this is Phronesis. And I'm really excited today to introduce you to Hella Bank Jorgensen. She is the CEO of Competent Boards, which offers the Global Online ESG Competent Boards Certificate and Designation Program with faculty of over 100 renowned international board members, executives, and experts. She has a 30-year track record in turning environment, social, governance, climate, and sustainability risks into innovative and profitable business opportunities. She has worked with many global Fortune 500 board members and executives, as well as smaller companies and investors. She is on all kinds of very, very interesting boards throughout the world, His Royal Highness Prince of Wales Accounting for Sustainability Global Expert Panel. She's also on the World Economic Forum Expert Network for Corporate Governance, Leadership, and Emerging Multinationals. Canadian Climate Government Experts, a Commonwealth Climate and Law Initiative. She is an attorney. She is doing incredible work around the world. You can look at her full bio in the show notes. And I am so honored to have you today, Hala. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, I'm so honored to be here with you, Scott, and thank you for that long introduction. (laughs) That's good stuff right there. That is really, really cool. Now, here's where I want to start our conversation. How did you gain a passion for this work? You know what? It actually started 30 years dating myself here, perhaps a little bit longer than 30 years ago, (laughs) I read a newspaper article. And that was a newspaper article where a professor from the Danish Technical University were being interviewed about life cycle assessment, about how could we save water and how could we save energy by thinking about how do we produce, um, you know, products yeah. and and not looking at it, you know just now I'm using a computer you know but look at it from a life cycle at that point I had my my business law degree and and I was actually studying to become an accountant 
And I had six months to do my master thesis. And I was just reading this article. And I thought, what if we could price the externalities? What if we could put the price into all of these things? What if we could start really embedding that value into the profit and loss? Yes. The, the income statements, the balance sheets of the companies. Could we then actually value you know, environment, um, all of these factors in a way so we made informed decisions? Yeah. So that's that's where it all started. Um, he sent me that this wonderful professor, Leo Elsing, sent me to the Danish steelwork um, that was, well, producing steel, but actually yeah. recycling steel. And I was just put there and said, how can you help us produce a report that shows the stakeholders how much or how little we are polluting, et cetera. And that became the first green account in the world. So so that's that's where it all started. Well, so tell me about that. So this is this is 30 plus years ago. This had to have been a completely foreign concept as you were talking with industry leaders, business executives. Talk about some of that work because you are actually actively working to influence people to see value in this. And in some cases, I imagine, well, I can't imagine you got any pushback whatsoever. It's been smooth sailing, correct? <laughs> well, let's just say it's, it's much easier now. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. At that point, uh, I, and I actually started in, in accounting, um, you know, price waterhouse at, at that point. And yeah, I was probably a little bit different, uh, asked many questions um, and, and tried to see how do we how do we really, again, you know, at that point, we were talking mostly about environment. How do we embed that into the way we did you know, audit and, and, and everything else? And for some reason, I was allowed to use 50% of my time actually building the praxis. Uh, and, and I got to work with, you know, a ton of companies uh, and actually also the Danish uh, legislature, let, those that make the law, okay, uh, in in terms of uh, of reporting, and and how do so that came into saying that that companies in Denmark at that point needed to report on on environment, social issues, and I got to help the EU in terms of the directives, etc. So it was quite fascinating. But yes, you're right. There was a lot of people that were, why are you doing this? Uh, and and to be frank, I mean, when when we started the Competent Boards movement uh, in 2019, so two years ago, uh, in Davos uh, during the World Economic Forum, and where I said, I believe that board members need to be the stewards. And therefore, we need to ensure that board members actually have the insight when it comes to environment, social issues and embed that into the governance yeah and at that point you know again to be honest i had you know paul pullman wonderful paul pullman uh, with me the, the then uh, chair of unilever michael tresco was, was behind me and others but it was few many were saying why do you want board members yeah to understand this isn't this the job of the you know 
CEO or the sustainability person. Yeah. So again, fast forward now, you know, there was a few days ago, I saw an, an, an article where uh, nominating committees and, and non-gov com- committees on, on boards are now looking hard for people with EST experience to oversee um, you know, EST and sustainability and climate change matters in the boardroom. And clearly now what I'm trying to do is how do I educate? How do I help those board members, both those that are, are right now in the in the boardrooms, but also those that, that will be board of directors yeah. to have this insight, to have this mindset and make the right decisions? Because otherwise we're sitting in a situation where we have board members that are now appointed to a new committee called sustainability or ESG committee. But if they don't have that insight, it is very, very hard to make informed decisions if you're not informed. Exactly. So, so that's basically what, what we're trying to do uh, now. And so far, we are hearing a lot of good feedback in uh, from, from board of directors all over the world and on the value. And, and you know, some of them are saying, that they are being re-elected, which you know other other board members around the world are not being re-elected at the moment because they don't have this insight. Hmm. I'm going to go back again because I want to come back to boards for sure. How, how does your background in accounting and in law inform your work? I think it's a beautiful combination of law, accounting. Did you have any sort of in, background in environment or just a passion for the environment? Because I'm sure you've learned a great deal about that space over the years, but coming at this from with those two those two perspectives specifically, that's a powerful combination. Would you agree? Well, thank you. Yes, I, I, I will, and I'm telling often when when I have you know younger people telling me, oh, they really want to to work in 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 sustainability departments, etc. I'm saying, you know what? Go and work in another department. And mm-hmm. I think you're right because, you know, when I was out auditing, uh, you know, you get to know what yes. sales are thinking. You get to know what procurement thinks. You get to know what the, the production, you get to know all of these different functions. And, and it, if you don't understand that, right, you don't really understand how the business work and therefore you can't really help. So what I often unfortunately see is that it's the language, right? We might be speaking English, yeah. uh, but but from time to time I'm saying, well, you know, if I started now saying something to you in, in Danish, well, you might understand with no. your Swedish background. <laughs> but But, you know, I could shout as loud as I want to you'll still not understand it. And that's what I see from time to time, that we have these people within the business, sustainability-minded, but they don't understand the language of the board, and the board do not understand the language of the sustainability people. Yeah. It's, it's, we're getting closer and closer, but, but that's such an important thing to really understand. And yes, you can say I'm using my business law. Don't, don't go out and, and test me. Okay. Um, I am using my, my accounting. And what's the fascinating thing now is actually in this master thesis 30 years ago, um, I was writing about how do we embed you know, the, the environment uh, into the financial statements. 
And what's happening right now is that the global standard setters, the global financial standard setters, are exactly doing that right now. We expect that when we get to, to November, that the IFRS, or the International Financial Reporting Standards, um, uh, will, you know, together with some of the, the, the different standard setters within uh, sustainability area, actually will come together and, and form uh, a way where it's not sustainability on one side, financial on the other side, yeah. but how do we integrate it? And that's going to be powerful. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And to have been witness to that spectrum of experiences, I have to imagine, I have to imagine that feels really, really rewarding that that you've been a part of that work, that you've been a part of that work, right? But of course it does. I think I think we have so much more to do and and Yes, we can sit and say, yes, you know, been part of the work. Um, but we do need to move much fa- faster. This is not about, oh, let's see who can do something first. Yeah. yeah. I can I can tell you, yes, I did the first green account in the world. I actually also did the first integrated report in the world. Yeah. And I can sit here and say, oh, be proud of that. But right now we are on uh, very strong. You know, we are in a timeline when it yeah. comes to also climate reporting, something we didn't even think about. Well, yeah. at least most did not think about, you know, 30 years ago. And now I think we all see it, you know, in the streets and being countries all over the world with fires, drought, um, flooding, you know, you name it. And, and, and we really need to both from a climate and a biodiversity point of view step up yeah. and, and we we need to that's again why i think it's so important that we need to embed this into not uh, as a thing at the side but really embedded into the way we do business yeah. this is no longer a sideshow this this is something we need to think about we need to do we need to budget for and we need to report on in a transparent way Hello. What what I'm excited to hear your perspective on. You you were just saying, look, I'm really excited. This November, some of these shifts might occur, which would be wonderful. What are some other things right now that are really exciting you in the work? And paint us a picture of. You said we're on a timeline. This is this is not as we speak and record in mid July. Germany is experiencing massive flooding. Uh, the American West is on fire again. And this we could kind of take a tour of the world and there's some things that are happening that are not good signs of what's to come. So what else is happening that excites you? Look, these are small wins. We're making progress. This feels good, okay? We're not there yet. Here's some things that also have to happen. Would you paint that picture for us? Well, you know, when we're talking about November, we're talking about the, the big climate meeting uh, that's going to happen in, in Glasgow, so COP26. And clearly the, the, the world is looking at it, and, and I'm very excited to see 
how many that are stepping up and setting goals and setting targets and, and really want to green the world and, and transformation in that respect. Of course, sorry, there's a flip side on this. Yeah. The, the, the thing is that I'm also seeing there is a lot of green washing. Yes. Um, there is what uh, say green wishing. It's actually the good Mervyn King that that say green washing and green wishing. And I have added on: we need green walking. You know, we need to walk the talk. It, yeah. It's not enough what we do at the moment and saying, "Yo, by 2050 we do this and this." If we don't put the budgets in, if we don't put the resources in, in if we don't have the plan and have the accountability and the transparency aligned to it. It's just like, you know, hey, I always wanted to run a ma- marathon. Right? <laughs> it would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 EU actually now came up with this new fit for 55. And I'm going like, are they trying to tell me something that I need to be fit for 55? Of course, that is the, the, the European plan in terms of climate, right? Yeah. But if I don't train, if I don't put the time and the effort into it, you know, it's never going to happen and it's probably never going to happen. And I probably need to say, hey, I'm really happy with the half marathon yeah. that I did. We just can't do that when it comes to climate. We can't say, oh, I'm happy with, with where we at. That's that's just not enough. We, we need to look at it. And I think we are seeing not only on the streets and, and flooding, et cetera, but we are starting to see the stranded assets. We are starting to see that the asset managers are voting out board of directors that are not um, fit, yeah. <laughs> if we can put it like that, not for fit, fit for 55, but but fit for that. We, we are seeing that you know, um, young leaders, young talent are taking companies to court. We are seeing this duty of care yeah. being looked at. And, and even, you know, the Australian uh, climate minister now in terms of you know, your duty of care to make the right decisions. So, so I, we are being held to account to a, on a totally different way of looking at it. But I think we need, all of us need to look at ourselves and saying, okay, what, how can we really bring this forward in a, um, going back to my, the, not, not just a wish, yeah, but put the resources, put the budgets, put the plans and, and, you know, walk the talk or as I just wrote an article about it. I say, you know, or run as your life de- depends <laughs> on it because, uh, it seems like we are we are uh, we we need to stop talking and start acting. Yeah. Who is acting? Who who has impressed you in there and it could be a country, it could be a, a corporation, but who's on your radar is someone who genuinely thoughtfully is putting these pieces into place, building the infrastructure and leading the way. I'd read an article about about Denmark. It was a maybe two, well, I could have been three or four years ago that the country was running on clean energy. Is that accurate? Is that an accurate statement? Um, um, I am 
dear, my my dear, one of my home countries. I'm, I'm you know, now both a, a Dane and a Canadian at the at the same time. So dual citizenship, and and a lot of amazing things coming out in Denmark. And I think what is fascinating is that that it's this way of thinking, and it yes. it's, it hits also on the incentives, right? So very early on, there was put a, a hefty price. If you look at you know other places around the world on energy, on water, etc., what does that mean? It means that people start innovate. Yeah, right? and and I think that's another thing we need to to think about. So definitely Denmark. I have just interviewed the the minister of climate and biodiversity from New Zealand, uh, and another place that really have um, you know put the put the foot forward. Um. TCFD, which is the Task Force for Financial Related Climate Disclosure. I always get that one wrong. Um, but Hannah, how many? You have a lot of acronyms in your head. <laughs> oh my goodness! There is a big alphabet soup in my head. <laughs> well, can I tell you this? Can I tell you this story really quickly on New Zealand? I was I was interviewing a professor at the University of Waikato in New Zealand a couple of days ago, and she mentioned that a river had been given personhood, legal rights, personhood, a river in New Zealand. Isn't that interesting? That, you know, and, and I think that, that I, I was not aware. And, and it, it just start to, you know, question the way that we have valued different things. So going back to, you know, what is that, that the, the Danish Technical University and life cycle assessment, I was asked to look at these life cycle costs, right? Yeah. But if we start to, to think about um, you know, all of these, you say the river, water, it's all interrelated, it's all connected. Yep. And, 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 you know, again, going back 30 years ago, we built higher smokestacks or longer pipelines and thought like, oh, okay, pollution going away. Right? <laughs> yes. Now no. we start to understand that no, it does not. And, and I think that understanding that, you know, pollution do not respect borders. They do not read all our commitments. They do not read all our goals. Yeah. We need to do the work on that. I think that is so important and um, you know you mentioned in terms of yes Denmark yes New Zealand you know but with all due respect wonderful countries but quite small mm. we need we need the whole well we need the global governance around this we need to say what is the price on on carbon and and have you know the the global price, and then again embed that in uh, to our, our financial systems. The, the U.S. clearly now doing a lot. China's doing a lot, right? But but we need to have that um, global not commitment alone, but actually doing. And again, the, the article that I just put out, I, I went in and looked at the commitments that we uh, we countries did uh, years ago. You know also ahead of, of the, the big meeting in, in Paris where we got the Paris Agreement. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, there's a long way from what was committed really to what is actually 
um, you know, funded. Yeah. And, and and so again, it, it's so easy to come up with the the commitments and the nice speeches, it etc. Uh, another thing is to do it. I I do think you know I mean Paul Pullman, as I said, one of those that have supported from from the start and and from when he was the the, the CEO of of Unilever and Michael Tresco, who was the chair of Unilever at that point, uh, a, a company that um, walked the talk. Mm. And been been very open, saying, "Hey, there's a lot of things still still to do, but but have the had the courage uh, to go ahead and say, no, 'No, I'm not going to do this because we're going to do this.' Had the courage to go out to the different stakeholders and and really um, made changes. Had the courage to go out and work together with competitors because yes. that's another thing. This partnership." Right. So, so I think there are a lot of um, lot of companies at the moment that's doing a lot. I just want to make sure that it's not we're doing a lot up to COP twenty six in November, and after that, there's probably something else we're going to then do. We, yeah. we need to commit, and we need to hold ourselves uh, and and each other accountable. Yeah. Well, Unilever. I mean, even their their purpose, values, principles. I mean, it's right there the highest standards of corporate behavior towards everyone we work with, the communities we touch and the environment on which we have an impact. It's there. And, and it's good to know that in, in your, in your experience, they're putting in the infrastructure to help live that. So how do we, from a leadership standpoint, how, how do we, influence i watched that the 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 documentary on greta thunberg and uh, her frustration right she'll get to these large meetings and just challenge because it's a lot of talk it's a lot of verbiage and what would your what would your thinking be three or four or five things that kind of need to happen to really influence countries and organizations to really start putting action behind those words I'm sure it's any number of of tactics. The law, correct? Yes, but I think, of course, you can you can say, okay, the law, um, and let's be have compliance. Great, but we also all know that that that's a little bit later in 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 the game. Yeah, we need the mindset. And, and we need, as, as I said, and the whole reason why we are educating board of directors and, and executives is that we need to have that understanding. Not that this is, no, okay, I should probably also look at that. But this is the, this is the, the part in the middle yeah. that we need to look at. We need to have, we put out a report about, you know, the, the, the brain, uh, the heart, and, and the hand in terms of actions. Yeah. We, we need leaders to be able to say, I don't understand this. Try to, uh, you know, help me understand what can I do. We need, we need to probably start sunsetting you know, different activities instead of just selling them off uh. to someone else and saying, oh, see, now we don't have that in, in our portfolio anymore. Yes. Well, if, if you have someone else that are taking even worse care of it, then then you 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 actually as a global system worse. 
So, so I think we we need that. We need to have this um, you know, competence, yes, and and but also be courageous. Uh, we need to we need to say what are the what's the transition plan. Let's look at what is it that we have that that stranded assets or could be stranded assets. Let's let's hear from you know our stakeholders from our employees. What can we do? There's so much of innovation out there. Yeah. But we we often talk about diversity of thought. But do we really allow it yeah. in the organizations? Do we really value and uh, encourage you know that person to say, oh, couldn't we do this in a different way? Yeah. Unfortunately, all too often we have like, well, we tried that, or no, that would never work. I think we need to use all of these. Yes, the law. Yes, you know, shareholders are asking. Yes, talent is asking, and and frankly, walking away if they they don't. Customers are demanding it. Yes. But I'm going back to my board of directors. Yep. They are the ones that are the stewards. Yes. And I mean, I'm writing a book, and it's going to be called Stewards of the Future. Yeah. So in in my mind, they are really those are the, the, the board of directors that have that responsibility. They have the uh, you know, they have the asking ask the CEO, ask the management team, what are we doing? Understand it. Do we have enough set off of budgets? What kind of innovation are, are we looking? It really encourage that. I yep. think that's the huge, huge, huge opportunity that, frankly, most, if not all, corporate directors and companies standing right in front of that. I agree with you. Laws and regulation, yes, but that's not really going to drive this. Yeah. You have way too many countries that needs to come up with laws and regulations. Yes, you can say in terms of Europe, um, where and, and, and how do we, if you start exporting to, to Europe or importing, if you're in, in Europe, you know, yes, you can start putting things on that. But why go through all of this and wait for it? instead of starting right now to do that innovation, right now to look at your transition plan, right now to say, how do we commit to make this work? Not when I am, you know, I have retired. Yeah. But now, Michael Tresco once said to me, you know, making the long-term decisions, the right long-term decisions, meaning making the right short-term decisions, this is not something we can say, oh, God, now we have a, 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 a 2050 goal. So we'll wait to 2049 <laughs> to, to actually do something about it. We need a plan and we need that plan right now. And we need to follow up on that plan. We need to report on that plan. We need to tell our stakeholders about what's, what's our plan. And we probably need to see every single year, how can we perhaps do it even better? Yeah. Yeah. What is your assessment as to why it, it seems to me Europe is far ahead of other continents? Why is this? 
I, you know would what? You, I, would you agree with that or no? Well, it, it it depends on on what what kind of things we're looking at. Yeah. If it comes to to the regulation, yes. If it comes to uh, some of the innovation, yes. I actually think that you can. You know, I was asked to when when we could travel to go yeah. to to China to do a, a series of keynote speeches and. If you look at the rail system and and you go like, oh, okay, that's smart. You know, there's a lot of things happening different places that um, are really um, something that we 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 ought to 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 see other places as well. Europe, yes, um, and and again, I've I've been asked many times, uh, perhaps on on other areas as well as like stakeholders and and why is it that that uh, you know, come a, a country like Denmark, um, we you see so much innovation. You see Vestas, you see Ørsted, you see you know, Nova Nordisk, Novozymes, uh, Danfoss. I'm probably forgetting a lot of the companies, but all that are so far ahead. Yes. You're talking about a small, small country that you know don't have that many resources. Yeah. Well, I, I had just read the other day that Lego had yeah, put Lego, out some sorry. of their, some, some of their sorry, first, Lego. some of, some of the first, uh, you know, Legos were being made out of recycled product. Well, yes. And, and Lego, sorry, I, I, how could I forget? And I, I've had to, I have had the great pleasure of working, both playing and working with Lego <laughs> uh, uh, for many years and actually traveled also the world with them. So um, Ikea, if you go to, to, to Sweden, right, it, yep. you have many of these companies. And, and I think maybe it is for the simple reason that it is a small country. Mm. So you can't just pollute and say, okay, I'll travel somewhere else. You know, if you pollute your your back garden, you're not going to get any any crops out of that next year. Right? Yeah. If you don't if you don't understand that you need to look into next year, you're not going to get food on your table next year. Yeah. If you you know if I really you know back then if if you're not good to your neighbors, Sweden, Norway. Um, you might be in war, right? And and while if you can if you can think about if now I'm in in Canada and and yes, south of the border I have the the, the U.S. Um, and if you're a U.S., you might say, okay, I have water on one side, water on the other side. I have Canada. Thank you. We really you know appreciate Canadians uh, and and you have Mexico and yes, we appreciate them as well, but not that big of a threat. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you have so much land. Yeah. So if 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 I pollute the river here, if I pollute the ground here, you know, well, we just move somewhere else. I'm not saying that, that but but I think there is some mindset. Yeah. Uh, that that perhaps have been if that is true or not, you know, but um, my own little pocket philosophy here. <laughs> well, but I, I love I love a couple things about about you. I love that, as we said earlier, I love the combination of law, of the accounting and the language of business, and then the mission of, of 
how do we focus on ensuring that our organizations are doing good and and doing well, but doing good and leaving this planet intact? So there's a triple threat there of just how you look at the world. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And then you've honed in on, again, these, these individuals who have, they're the stewards and these board members who are placed in these positions, many of whom I would imagine know very little about this space, very little, depending on where they are in the world, uh, by no fault of their own. It just wasn't necessarily an area of expertise 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It would be similar to digitization in some ways that, you know, I'm sure a number of these corporate board members do not understand artificial intelligence, blockchain, sensor technology, quantum computing, et cetera. Yet (laughs) those are having a major impact on business. So focusing there and trying to help these individuals understand and, and become more educated and shifting, like you said, that mindset, it's uh. It's God's work. Whatever God means for you or a listener, it doesn't matter. I'm not putting any version of that. You're earning karma points. (laughs) The universe is happier because of your existence, whatever it is. Uh, well, and, and and I should, you know, on that, you know, all of those things you actually just said now, but also like cybersecurity, responsible use of data, AI, okay. digitalization, it's actually things that we now have in the program, oh, but good. all of it with this ESG and, and good governance lens. And it's because of all of these, you know, over 100 global leaders that are all the time both bringing their insight to all of these global board members that are joining the program and executives, um, but also saying, Ella, you you need to have something about this and this in the program, because this is something we're discussing. So we are keeping this program up to date on a constant basis. I have to admit from time to time, I'm trying to tell the world could we just stop for 15 minutes? <laughs> Do we need quantum quantum computers just yet? Can we hold off for just a moment? <laughs> exactly. But 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 at the same time, that is what what's so so uh, amazing and, and fascinating. So we are on a you know constantly updating the material and and clearly, you know, I have 70 yeah, or more, more, I guess, more than 70 uh, global board members, executives that's joining me each week, right? Wow. So I'm learning from them and they're from all over the world, right? So I, I get to know what's happening in Latin America. I get to know what's happening in Africa, Australia, Asia, you know, India, Europe, North America. So I'm joking from time to time. I really need someone from Antarctica. <laughs> then I would have all the continents represented. But then again, I'm not really sure I want that because uh, I like to have the ice. Well, okay. So as we wind down, as we wind down our time, is there anything that you've been watching or listening to or streaming that's caught your eye in recent months? It, it, It could have to do with what we've discussed today. It may not have to do with anything we've discussed today. But what would you like listeners to learn about or know about? Well, um, unfortunately, we're seeing in in, in Canada um, a, a lot of unmarked graves uh, being found in terms of the the you know in, indigenous and and the residential schools. So, so actually, watching at the moment a series called Future History, mm. and and 
I would say probably about the crimes against indigenous people over many, many, many years. And and I think it's also about the wisdom, you know, that and and that that indigenous people bring. And I'm I'm actually, you know, if you if you really think about it, I say stewards of the future. But if you think about many of them, it's stewards of the land. Yeah. stewards of the air steward of the, the you know the animals the what we call biodiversity right uh, of of the water yeah in a lot of the things that that we are now struggling to to bring back and and I think it's the respect um and this you know honoring of the, of the surroundings um that that uh, so so yeah I mean I'm living now in 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 Canada it's uh, it's a big it's a you know it's a big thing of um, of of the history and and needs to be um, something that 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 we all learn and and learn from and and have that that respect um, for the wisdom because it's basically a lot of wisdom um, so. It's it's mind boggling to to think that the last of those schools was shut down in 1997. They just in the United States today. I was literally just watching Reuters, and they exhumed. I think it was 20 bodies, if I'm not mistaken, of children at a in the U.S. at uh, the Army War College. I believe that's in Pennsylvania, and it's it's mind boggling. It really is. Yeah, and and it and it tells you that you know, it, it, yeah, you can you can question how can anyone ever go to there, but but I think I think again, you know, we we really need to learn as humans to speak up, right, right? and say, oh, that's wrong, you know, yeah. or or and and I think we need as humans to 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 learn to you know. Also in in other settings, right? To, but to be to respectfully disagree, speak up, have the courage to say, oh, "No, that's not wrong." Not just saying, "Hey, that has nothing to do with me." Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, Gopal can't say the full name, but Gopal was was uh, a, a, you know, former director of of Tata in in India, and that's why I can't say the full name, Gopal Krishnan. But, um, and and and. Gopal said, you know, in, in board of directors need to think that it's like like their children, right? A, a mother would never, you know, just look at saying, oh, okay, well, let's see what's going to happen in the future here if yeah. something was wrong. But all too often you you hear people saying in that, oh, I, I knew that that was, but I didn't really do anything. Yeah. We we need to we need to step up. And and yeah. and actually do something, and I think you know, hey, it's easier said than done. But um. but you are, and thank you for the work that you do. It's incredible. Uh, I, again, we could spend we could spend a long time kind of surveying what you have seen over the last few decades and the progress that's been made, but then the work that still needs to be done, uh, because as you said, we're on a we're on the clock. And how do we build those pieces and that infrastructure to ensure that these words, that we, they, we walk the talk. And uh, thank you so much for your leadership. Thanks for the work that you do, Hella. 
Well, thank you so much for the work you do and your your leadership. <laughs> well, be well, take care, and I look forward to having another conversation down the road. And likewise. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. I am listening to the book Range, uh, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. Uh, and I was reminded while listening to that of our conversation. Uh, Hella, she brings such a wonderful integrative perspective to this topic. Her background in law, her background in accounting, knowing the language of business, and then also knowing who the key decision makers are, who needs to be educated, who needs to have the understanding, who needs to have the awareness, and as she said, the mindset. And by working with boards all over the world, she's doing incredible work to shift that mindset so that our organizations are led by individuals who have that expertise. That is wonderful work. And I truly enjoyed this conversation. Please check out some of the resources that I have placed in the show notes. And if you would, follow the work of Hella Jorgensen. She's doing incredible things and helping our world be a better place. I hope you do the same. I hope you are well. Take care, everybody. As always, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. You, my friend, have just finished another episode of Phrenesis Practical Wisdom for Leaders. To get in touch with me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Now, if you have feedback, I would love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Phrenesis. If you like Phrenesis, I have a second podcast. It's called the Captovation Podcast. That's with an O, Captovation Podcast, where I speak with experts on the topic of designing and delivering incredible presentations. And now... Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.